Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on the Twilight Tonic, I'm very excited to have Jason Snyder from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He heads many paranormal events, and he also has his own business in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he also does dinner mysteries. How are you, Jason? I'm very good, Dee Dee. How are you tonight? I'm wonderful, and I'm very humbled. I'm so glad you are on my show tonight. I'm actually really, really happy to be here um, as a as a podcaster myself. Um, it's it's really, 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 really fun opportunity to kind of switch roles and be the interviewee rather than be the interviewer. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I love podcasting. What is your podcast called so people know so they can log in and listen to you and subscribe to you guys? Sure, um, I am the co-host. Um, along with another another gentleman named T.J. Gilbert. Um, mm-hmm. We actually are part of the Firelings podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, we, can, we can be found on Facebook. That's Firelands, like F-I-R-E-L-A-N-D-S. Mm-hmm. And um, we can also be found on Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube as well. There's plenty of episodes up for people to listen to. Um, we're kind of... Um, uh, as far as our subject matter is concerned, we're kind of all over the place there. We we get so interested in so many different subjects, from <laughs> missing persons to true crime to, um, you know, all the way as far as um, interviewing uh, directors and filmmakers and talking about all facets of the paranormal, of course, because of course. there's so many interesting subjects when it comes to the paranormal. Yes, the paranormal is interesting. A lot of people just associate it with ghosts, but it goes on to UFOs, Bigfoot, cryptids, unexplained events. It does, and for us, I think that there's a, like the missing person cases. Um, I think true crime fits uh, a lot of that genre mm-hmm. as well, depending on what you're talking about. Serial killers and the workings of the human mind, as it boggles so many of us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, TJ and myself, and a lot of our viewers and listeners absolutely love that subject matter. Um, so we never get tired of talking about it. 
Wow. What what day is it on, Jason? What day do you guys launch those? Well, we don't we don't currently have a set schedule right now because TJ, as well as myself, we're both business owners. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a business of his own back home in Sandusky, Ohio, almost 180 miles west of him here in Fort mm-hmm. Wayne. Um, and I actually own two companies, so we plan the podcast, um, you know, Saturday nights. Um, but we, we're basically on a bi-weekly basis right at the moment okay. until we find some sort of a um, a groove. We didn't want to be nailed down every single weekend. So, um, you know, we put two to three podcasts out a month. Um, okay. And uh, generally, when the week that we're going to have a podcast, if they go to the Firelands page, usually there's, there's an advertisement on there, promotions about who we're going to interview throughout the week leading up to it. So a lot of people can just stay up to date on the Facebook page. Okay. And uh, we we do do audio and video podcasts there as well. Um, so it's not just an audio, it's both. And uh, so you can kind of uh, look, at, look at our ugly faces and, uh, <laughs> listen to, and listen to us because we're, you know, just as a little small disclaimer here, we're not your mother's podcast. Okay. So we, we are um, a, a little edgy. Um, a, a little racy. We, I mean, we don't we don't believe in language barriers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if you're somebody who's going to um, want to tune into our podcast, uh, we like to have fun. So um, you know, just um, take us with a grain of salt and sit back and enjoy. And uh, we love to hear feedback from people. So um, we, we we always welcome anybody who uh, wants to check out our podcast. So. Awesome. My next question Mm -hmm. is with you. I was reading your bio, and it's really interesting. You got involved in the paranormal in 2005, but that was a big part of your life. Before that, you grew up in the paranormal. It was. um, You know, when I was growing up, we had the best of three different worlds. Um, Uh I was raised in a religious family, so... Um, on my mom's side of the family, they were all Italian Catholic. Um, mm. my, dad's, my dad's side of the family, they were more like the Southern Baptist type. Um, and then I was baptized as a child as a, as a Protestant and then brought up um, in the Baptist church. So what we, what we had is we had family who, were, who are very, very devout religious people who do believe in the paranormal. Um, uh, my godparents, uh, my godfather Paul was a um, was a Baptist minister for many many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mother coming from the Catholic background, of course, the Italian side of the family. All of those people had all had paranormal stories to tell about things that happened to them involving family members and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So growing up, that was something that was discussed quite often at the dinner table. And the funny part about it was, is my father was a skeptic. Really? And, um, yes. So, um, and so just a little bit of a flashback in, um, in the early 1980s, my grandmother, which is my father's mother, was stricken with brain cancer. Oh. And she had spent the last, um, I don't know, I'd say about the last year of her life living with us. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that point in time, I was, um, barely in school yet. So I spent a lot of my days um, at her bedside, keeping her company. Um, but she did pass away sadly in, in uh, 1982. 
Um, she didn't pass away in her home. She didn't pass away in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But the thing was is that immediately after she passed, things began to happen inside of our home. Mm. And, uh, you know, and I mean, we're, we're, we're not talking about small, clean things. We're talking about very, very obvious signs. Um, and, you know, my mother always believed that my, my, grand, my grandma Snyder had always been um, attached to me. Um, now, going back, mm-hmm. knowing what I know about the paranormal, I want to say that maybe she was, she stuck around after she passed away, I think, to make sure that my father was going to be okay. Um, he was raised in an abusive household, of course. Of course. And uh, I, I want to say that uh, he was definitely one of her favorites, and I think she just wanted to make sure that uh, that he was going to be okay, you know, following her death. And my mother honestly thought that my grandmother didn't go away because she had an attachment to me. Oh. So, you know, depending on whichever one you wanted mm-hmm. to believe, um, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter because the instances were just so crazy from actually seeing her apparition in her home, my brother and I both, at specific times. Um, uh, on our own had witnessed her. As a matter of fact, I remember it like it was yesterday, mm-hmm. um, waking up to go use the restroom and walking down the long hallway and seeing her standing right in my living room. Um, and then she just disappeared, but it was almost like she was right there in the flesh. Um, but that's not even where it stopped. I mean, my parents would, would watch what they saw, the apparition, walk out of a bedroom and walk into the room where us kids slept, almost like she was um, keeping an eye on us, even after she had passed away. Wow. And, um, you know, it was really funny because being the ultimate skeptic in the middle of the day, I was taking a nap and my window had started to go up and down, up and down. It was one of the old style spring windows. So it's almost impossible. So- <laughs> Yeah, you would unlatch it, and it would spring up. And, and those windows generally stay in the up position, but this kept slamming down and slamming up. And it literally rattled my father. I mean, because this happened in broad daylight. It mm-hmm. rattled my father to the point to where he actually took framing nails and nailed the window shut. Wow. And he then proceeded to deny that there was anything going on inside the house because, of course, he was the ultimate <laughs> skeptic. <laughs> So, <laughs> he didn't want to admit to anything, did he? <laughs> he didn't. He really, really didn't. I, I want to say that he he wasn't nearly as open-minded as we were. And, of course, my mom and her family was. Um, I, I think, to be honest with you, that scared him a little bit. Um, and that was just the way he handled things. And that, we were okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the activity only lasted a few years. Oh, and then, and she... then eventually it, it all just stopped. Hmm. I wonder you know, if she felt comfortable moving on. I, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at today. Knowing what I know in the paranormal through all my years of research, um, you know, since being a child and now as an adult and doing everything that I've done, I really just honestly think that she was she stayed behind just long enough to make sure we were okay. Right. And when it, when she was done, she was done. I mean, it wasn't like we would see her once in a while. It was like paranormal activity was really, really heavy for about two years. And then it was over with. And never since then. As a matter of fact, my mother still lives in the same house today. And never sees her now? No. 
you know, none of us ever saw her after that. It, not even through my, my junior high years, my high school years. Um, I mean, as much as I wanted to experience that as I got older, mm-hmm. it, it never did happen again. Well, now, as you got older and left home, did you did you have any more experiences with other things in the paranormal? Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. Um, well, you know, one of the things for me was is that I... Once I got so far into the paranormal, my mom and her side of the family was like, okay, we see that this is the path you're taking. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk. You know, and I I found out that my mother and my aunts um, all had this, they all had this thing about them when they knew that somebody in the family or somebody that was close to the family wasn't well or something would happen. And I've witnessed mm-hmm. You know, I, I I remember being in high school and, you know, of course, this was before I took paranormal to be, you know, the uh, a, a serious approach to the paranormal field. Mm-hmm. And I can remember sitting in my grandmother's house and my mother looking over at my aunt. We were there for dinner. And my mother said to my aunt, she says, something's, something's not right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm feeling some sort of a way. And my aunt Elaine looked at my mother and said, you're right. I'm, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm feeling it, too. They picked up the phone and started to call family. Now, I understand that we have huge, huge, huge family on that side of, on that mm-hmm. side of the family. So I mean, we're talking 70-some cousins, first, second, third cousins on just the mom's side of the family. Wow. So, um, yeah, they're like gremlins. If you get them wet or feed them up, they they multiply. Don't get your family near the water, Jason. Just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So, I mean, right then and there, I took one call. They called my other aunt Bonnie, who who hadn't been doing great, you know, prior to this. And it turned out that she had actually just been um, taken by ambulance to the hospital. Her lungs had filled up with fluids, and Uh she wasn't doing too well at that point. Mm -hmm. They both picked up on that. And just completely out of the blue in the middle of the dinner. Um, so I, I was able to witness that firsthand. And so it was really, really neat to have them kind of come forward as, an, as, a, as all of us were adults and, and then talk to me about their, I call them gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes. you know, they would talk to me about these things. And then finally, I would start to hear a lot of the stories from my aunt and my, my godparents, my uh, my godmother and my godfather, who was obviously very, very uh, devout um, Baptist people, um, mm-hmm. they as well believed in the paranormal. And, of course, they were a little bit more along the, the, the spiritual side and the, yes. the religious side of it. But they weren't the type of people who went, paranormal is just demons. It's just demons. They weren't like that. Right. You know, they were able to separate spirituality in that in that regard and aspect and really understood the difference between unsettled souls and unfinished business and what would be good versus evil. So I had a very good family that really brought me up with a broad understanding of life, the paranormal, as it pertains to it's okay to believe this without having to tie it to religion um, and to things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I was raised very open-minded. I was I was never told that this is the reason that this happens and this is the reason that that happens. It was always just like, these are the things that we've experienced. Take it as you will. 
and, you know, um, do whatever with it that you would like. But this has happened to us in our life, and this right. is how we feel. And uh, it was, it, I, I was blessed to be brought up in an open-minded family. Yes, exactly. Yes, I agree. I was, I was in the same situation. I was very blessed. My mom was raised Catholic, and they were all readers and almost spiritualist. Um, my mom just thought it was part of life, so I was very fortunate with that. See something? It's part of life. Yeah. I mean, I don't really necessarily feel like, you know, I mean, I feel, I feel like we live in a society today where everybody has to compartmentalize and put everything into these little labels or these little groups. That's where mm-hmm. we are with life now. And it seems like that everything is constantly being done. We're constantly being taught or watching others kind of always throw life's mysteries in these little categories and, and try to explain them. Yeah. And, um, I've never really been part of that. No. I've, I've always had, this is, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. And now in my, in my younger years, um, I wasn't really spiritual about it. And I took a more um, scientific, more physical approach to it, mm-hmm. um, to paranormal investigating and, and things of that nature. And then um, it wasn't because I didn't believe in the spiritual aspect. It was because I was only interested in tangible evidence. I wanted to be able to quantify, sure. quantifiably explain why these things were happening. And of course, um, if you stick with it long enough, you realize that you're, you're basically cutting a, an arm and a leg off mm-hmm. and trying not to swim in a circle when you do that. You really honestly can't say that you know, I'm going to take a scientific or a spiritual approach to all of this, and this is just going to be the way I'm going to be, and I'm going to be able to understand it. You have to be able to, in my personal opinion, you have to be able to bridge the two together. Um, and today I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more spiritual today than I ever was as a youngster. Um, and it took, a, it took a lot of investigations and a long time and knowing a, a lot of spiritual people, some of my best friends, are just amazingly spiritual individuals and watching them. Um, and, you know, it, it took a little while to understand that, that the universe that we live in is so vast and it's so huge and it works in so many wonderful and still crazy ways. Um, and until you you actually are able to embrace the spiritual side mm-hmm. as well as the physical side, um, you know, I, I felt like... Um, that I had basically been investigating the paranormal with, with blinders on. I wasn't allowing myself to be open-minded enough um, in the early days of my paranormal experiences to actually be able to allow for those things to come through. So what was mm-hmm. happening for me is I think that more than anything, because I wasn't a spiritual person, I was literally blocking a lot of that out. So um, it gets better. You know, as I got older and, and just understand the universe works in so many crazy different ways, mm-hmm. um, embracing spirituality and knowing, too, that mainstream science is lending a lot of credibility to things that we understand today, spiritually involving energies and things of that nature. Yes. Um, I think that going into the paranormal aspect with one or the other and not with both, is re- would really, really hinder an individual. And it did for me in my younger years as well. 
my next question is, with everything that you've witnessed, when you go out and investigate, I always see the Hana house brought up in Indiana. What is that yeah. exactly? What goes on there? Well, the Hannah House Mansion um, for Indiana is a, um, it's in Indianapolis. Um, it is a local favorite for a lot of people. If you live in Indiana and mm-hmm. you um, are involved in um, either you like the historical aspect of history, mm-hmm. whether you like urban exploration, whether you like the paranormal, the Hannah House is one of those things that will always run across. You will always run across the Hannah House. Um, it, it beckons people. I've heard a lot of people say um, the house is. It's a beautiful mansion. Mm-hmm. It was built. It was built by Alexander Hanna way back in the, the mid to late 1800s. And Alexander Hanna was um, at this point in time. He was like an abolitionist. So he, the Hanna House, was actually part of the Underground Railroad. Interesting. So, I didn't realize that. Yes. Right. And even now, it only sits probably two and a half miles off of downtown Indianapolis. And it still sits on a gorgeous two and a half acres of land around it. Um, And it's just this big, beautiful mansion that's just got an an, an amazing history. And it's been in the same family for like 130 years. Um, And it's still in the family today. Now, nobody lives there. It's fully furnished. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody lives there, but it serves kind of as a museum and a reminder to history of the major role that Indianapolis played in the Underground Railroad. Um, wow. The thing, the thing about it becoming a haunted location is, is that uh, there were uh, a couple of children who passed away and a few adults. Of course, anytime you have a, a home with so much history over so many years, yes. you know things like that happen. Um, the biggest thing about the Hannah House is that it's it's, it's not um, been substantiated um, by record, mm-hmm. but um, it was believed that um, while a group of slaves were being stowed away in the basement, uh, one of the slaves had accidentally knocked over an oil lamp uh-huh. in the basement, and what had happened was is it caught on fire, and because they were being hidden in the basement, being stowed away. Nobody outside could be alerted to the slaves that were being hidden there. So they literally burned to death in the basement. Mm-hmm. And it was believed that these these slaves that were being stowed away down there were actually buried right there in in the dirt floor of the basement of the house in order to hide that. Okay. Now, Alexander Hanna, if, I'm not, if, if I can remember correctly, was one of the only people, one of the first people, to actually be charged with um, having the Underground Railroad. He was actually charged and found found guilty Mm -hmm. of stowing away slaves. Now, because at the time that that happened, we weren't taking taking abolitionists and we weren't taking people who were were hiding slaves away and we weren't putting them on the gallows. Mm -hmm. Because Alexander Hanna was a very, very well-respected businessman in Indianapolis. So he basically got a slap on the wrist. Okay. So, um, you know, so even throughout time, in, in knowing that he was stowing away slaves and he was helping these these poor people out, um, he was caught and uh, he was basically let go for it. He was acknowledged, he was caught, he was charged, and they slapped him on, the, on, the, on his wrist and let him live his life. 
Um, which I which I think is great. Yes, um, <laughs> definitely. And he, and, he, and he continued to do so even after that. Okay. Um, you know, so the family, the family, uh, the the Hanna family did sell it off to uh, a family by the name of Elder, and mm-hmm. I think it's actually I think it's actually pronounced O E L D E R S uh, Elder Elders Elders. Um, and that would be the family who's actually still in ownership of it today. Oh wow, that's so, fascinating. Um, yeah, it is. Now, with the Hannah House, what happened was, is in the early 2000s, a woman named Danielle Garrison, mm-hmm. who's also another fixture of the paranormal, where she was. She hasn't been active in a couple of years, but she used to actually host these these events at the Hannah House that were called meet and greets. Mm-hmm. So what it actually started off with is she wanted to just gather teams together, and everybody can network and talk about their paranormal experiences. Now, at this point in time, these things were really unheard of. As a matter of fact, the first time she hosted one of these, she just had a couple groups meet in a mm-hmm. public park. So it started off with like two or three tables of people way back in like 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. And I think she did that for two years before she started talking to the ownership and the people that were in charge of the Hannah house. And then they said, Hey, why don't you have your meet and greet here? So fast forward to that, you know, three or four years later, and now there's now 20, 30 teams and vendors. You know, they went from anything from people who made t-shirts who sold metaphysical items to mm-hmm. people and paranormal teams who were investigating every weekend to, um, I mean, at one point in time, it was really great because you may end up with a couple authors there um, and get to meet maybe a few TV personalities. Um, but mainly what it was is it was it was recognized that there was drama on the Internet, of course, in my space days. And, <laughs> oh, boy, that brings me back. <laughs> yeah, right? I feel old now. Right, time to pack days. my suitcase and go. <laughs> Good gosh. I mean, nowadays, it's almost big dating ourselves, right? We start talking about yep. MySpace. So um, <laughs> basically what the meet and greet was for was it was just to get the teams off of the social media, get rid of the drama between the teams, get people face-to-face speaking and respecting one another and working together. And oh, that was the whole okay. premise. That's really a and good then, idea. Right. So, and it worked out really great. Um, like her last three years running it, she had asked me if I would help her. So I did mm-hmm. help her with a lot of the legwork. Um, and then eventually she had moved on. And it, the meet and greet then became a fixture of the Hannah House. And mm-hmm. the uh, the owners and the caretakers of the Hannah House had, had, had then asked me if I was interested in continuing to carry that torch. Oh. So, <clears throat> yeah. So um, over the next uh, three to four years, we doubled it in size. So mm-hmm. we, we were then up to 60 or 70 vendors, and we were seeing dozens of authors, dozens of metaphysical vendors. We were seeing dozens of teams, definitely a lot of TV personalities. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about the meet and greet was is it was absolutely free. It wasn't, you didn't have to pay a high price to meet these people. You didn't have to travel a half way across the Midwest, splurging gas, food, hotel accommodations, and then 
buy these expensive weekend tickets. This was a day that men, women, and kids can bring their families out and just meet these people face-to-face, and it was 100% free. That's awesome. So what we yeah, exactly. And so what we did in exchange for being allowed to host the meet and greet on the property um, is we obviously opened up the house to tours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how the Hannah House would then um, try to recuperate the expenses from the day of being able to host the event. Because people don't understand how much it costs to literally open that place up for a day even. Right. Um, Histor- and- it's a historical mansion, correct? Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So every really time expensive. you turn the heat on, turn the lights on, open the doors, and open it up to a few thousand people, um, you know, the, those bills go up. And um, so, you know, we always tried to, you know, get a lot of people in, try to get people to dig, take the tours. And um, I mean, it was fantastic. And even now, um, we ended the meet and greets two years ago because uh, um, the, there was some lift in the ownership, and mm-hmm. it was suspected that uh, the Hannah House may have to be sold off in order to um, compensate one-third of the ownership for what they were owed. Um, um, and I don't want to go too far right. into their business, but um, I will say this. Um, there, there is a foundation in place now, Hannah House, a 501c3 not-for-profit foundation mm-hmm. that's been um, now started to now be able to get um, uh, grant money from the state um, and to put money back into the Hannah House to revive it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not torn down and dilapidated, but after a while, you know, those big old structures, they tend to, um, you know, they, they tend to age and things yes. happen. And so um, I was I was asked to be part of the board of directors for the foundation, in which I, um, you know, I, I absolutely was on board with it from, from the moment that I was mm-hmm. asked. Um, so you know, uh, we'll go ahead and put it. We'll go ahead and put it out there. This is sure. the first time that I've mentioned this, but the Hannah House is going to be re um, is going to be reinvigorated. Started this year. Okay. So we, I just got the okay the day before yesterday. We are re re um, revisiting the, the Hannah House Paranormal Day celebration that will be happening this year. Um, it's going to actually happen on a Saturday, August 14th. Okay. Um, for anybody who wants to come out, it's um, a very few dozen vendors um, mm-hmm. that will be setting up tables and canopies on the outside property underneath the big ginormous trees out there because there's hundred foot trees on the property. It's just absolutely beautiful. And um, people can people will be able to come down to the Hannah Mansion on, on Saturday, August 14th and be able to just come and browse all the different vendors and the authors um, and all the people who are involved in the paranormal as a whole um, or even just slightly involved in the paranormal. It's it's a free event. It's open for all ages. It's suitable Mm -hmm. for all kids. Uh, So we'll we'll have some face painting there. We'll do some games for the kids so that they're not left out of it. So the parents got, you know, they can bring the kids and the kids can have a good time of all ages. And then, um, of course, like always, we'll be doing uh, the tours of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, before August gets here, I'm actually going to be hosting one of my uh, murder mystery parties there. Oh, I see okay. that. That's cool. On June 12th. June 12th. Murder yeah. mystery dinner at the Hannah House. Ooh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. 
And here's the thing about the murder mystery dinners. A lot of people, you know, when you get when you actually buy into a murder mystery dinner, a lot of times you go to a location and they serve you a, a very good meal. And then they kind of act out this mystery theater scenario while you're eating and it's entertaining and they get the people involved. Mm-hmm. But when I first started to, to hold these things, I didn't want people to just watch. I wanted people to be part of the mystery. Uh-huh. So it's like an adult version of Clue. But you know, you never know how it's going to turn out because I wrote the murder mystery myself. So mm-hmm. you have to be 18 years or older because there are there is a lot of adults <laughs> in the windows and things like that. Um, but basically, they're always hosted. Um, I'm going to do two of them this year. They're always hosted in a haunted and historic location. Uh-huh. Um, and um, I always make the food from scratch and serve everybody. So for the Hannah House, it's going to be um, an Italian menu. So okay. we're going to do my famous spaghetti dinner um, with garlic bread and then some, you know, all the fixings along with, um, you know, salad with um, handmade, our family's um, handmade recipe for dressing that we use, um, which is practically famous. Just ask anybody who's had it. Um, <laughs> so, so basically what it is, it's you, you show up in character from the moment that you arrive. Uh-huh. Um, the murder mystery has different lines. So one of the one of the rounds, two of the rounds will be played out at the dinner table while we're eating, and then uh, there'll be one or two rounds after the actual dinner happens, mm-hmm. and then we'll go into figure out who the winner is. And what you basically have to do is you have to figure out who killed who within um. the group. There's only allowed thirteen people. What's the number thirteen? And um, the cool thing, the cool thing about it is, is that I applied challenges to the murder mystery. So mm-hmm. if you're not involved in the paranormal, and a lot of these people aren't, you're going to be tasked with possibly having to get up from the table and go into the dark, into these haunted locations by yourself with nothing more than a pen light <laughs> in, order to find the, in order to find the clues. Do these people know this? So, <laughs> so if you're, if you're, I mean, for us paranormal investigators, some of us are like, oh, I don't could do that. And even some paranormal investigators will get squeamish because of some of the places that I host these things. Sure. Um, and when you're going and you're looking for your clue, once you find your mystery box, mm-hmm. it might have a clue. And it's like if it doesn't have a clue in it, then it's a box chock full of freebies. I mean, I mean, I hide boxes that are seven of them are actually mm-hmm. freebie boxes that will have like K two meters books. Um, Maybe some metals, um, some healing stuff, maybe smudge sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a chance to win free stuff as well as trying to win the grand prize, which is figuring out the murder mystery at the end of the night as well. Sure. And uh, so you may you may get a clue or you may get a box of freebies. But the thing is, is you have to go and you have to get this object of this box yourself. And... Um, Sometimes we'll set up cameras and we'll, we'll all, as a group, we'll watch the person have to get up from the dinner table <laughs> oh and my. go find them. <laughs> so how much um, are these, Jason? How much is this to go? How much are tickets, I should ask? Well, tickets for, I, I try to keep it just as cost-effective where I can cover the rent and mm-hmm. cover the food for everything. I mean, I, I'm, we, I don't, um, I, I don't um, serve in the, mili- or in the military, I'm sorry. I don't serve <laughs> in the paranormal field to make a profit. Uh-huh. Um, so 
for the murder mystery dinner tickets are $85 a piece. That's really uh, reasonable. It is. I mean, if you were to go to most of these places, you're going to pay a very, very minimum of $50. Mm -hmm. Um, But we're also going to feed you. We're going to give you freebies. But the best part about it is, is that after the murder dinner is over with, we then investigate the haunted location as a group until like two o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, a lot of first time people who've never investigated before get to work with seasoned investigators. Mm-hmm. Um, I always bring a surprise guest. So, um, the, I haven't announced the surprise guest yet for the Hannah house because I don't have it nailed down yet, but I'm going to have one at another mystery dinner at post town elementary in Middletown, Ohio. Oh boy. That's, a, that's the first one. <laughs> I know where that's that is. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes. So, and that one's a really, really big one. So to pick up the challenges and to get the boxes, I mean, you have to go, it's a haunted school. It's yes. a huge school. Yeah. So, I mean, and to be honest with you, to go into the second, third floor, even in the basement of the school and, and be alone can be a really, really daunting task because it's not at all uncommon to be walking through that school and hear tables and chairs or desks mm. being thrown across the floor. And you know you're there alone. Middletown you know, is so, so haunted anyway. It is. Oh, it is man. It's a very old but very small town. So yes. Monroe and that whole area. And my, my mother and my um, and the, uh, my grandparents actually lived in Middletown for a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, uh, so that the actual post town one is going to be uh, May 15th, Saturday, May 15th. And it's the same ordeal, except we're doing a taco bar. We're oh. going to do a taco bar there for dinner. And um, there's no theme, so everybody's just going to just dress casual. Mm-hmm. Usually I do themes where I, I make people dress up as, uh, we'll, do, um, we'll do murder mystery dinners with like a gangster theme. So you oh. have everybody showing up looking like Goombas, and the girls got their hairs up, and they're wearing dresses like the Flapper Girls and the Entertainers <laughs> of, the, of the early 1900s. That's fun. And, get, and we turn places into a speakeasy. I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a lot of fun. It really is. Um, you can be an adult with absolutely no knowledge of the paranormal whatsoever and just show up and have a time of your life. We like to laugh. Um, we like to give people free stuff. But at the end, when it comes down to doing the paranormal investigation, mm-hmm. we like to take people that don't have that experience. We like to take them under our wing and give them the realest and best experience of what it's actually like to be a paranormal investigator and actually do an investigation of these places. Um, you know, so there is a serious aspect to it as well, mm-hmm. uh, respectively. Um, and they are a lot of fun. They always sell out. I only do one or two per year. Um, this is I, so the Hannah House Murder Mystery Dinner and the Post Town Murder Mystery Dinner are the only two um, that I'm going to do this year. And uh, um, Hannah House just sold out, and uh, Post Town I believe has three tickets left. Okay. So if anybody anybody hears this show and you're, you're interested in checking it out, they can message me on Facebook um, if there's still tickets left. Uh, they can check out the events on um, Facebook as well. There's an event for the murder mystery for Post Town and murder mystery for um, the uh, Hannah House in Indianapolis. Okay. So there's two events right there. We got the two murder mystery dinners, 
That's... And then we got the meet and greet going on at uh, Hannah House in August. And then um, Monicon, which is... I saw that. A... Yes. And that is also at Post Town. And basically that's that's held um, in promoted and planned by myself, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Age, and Daryl and Brenda Wisman, which are the owners of Post Town. And uh, basically, Dale and Brenda love to get back to the paranormal, to the people who supported them throughout the years and continue to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly like the Hannah House Paranormal Day celebration. It's a free meet and greet. That's cool. So we have a huge list of people. I want to say that we're probably at 60 vendors already for this year, already lined up for that, of wow. all different facets. Some of these people are pop culture experts. Mm-hmm. Some of these people are comic book designers. Some of them are cosplay people. We got tarot readers. We have um, psychics and, and um, paranormal teams, and we have T-shirt makers and vendors of all kinds, metaphysical vendors. So it's just it's a little bit of everything for everybody. And once again, it's it's a free event. Okay. You know, it's a free day to bring the kids, bring the family out, meet everybody, spend the day, spend mm-hmm. the weekend. It's actually a two-day indoor event. So. That has grown. That was that was a um, before it was just a Saturday event that we did mm-hmm. one day out of the year for six or seven hours, and now it's turned into a two day event. And now we we started off on Friday, so now people come in on Friday and get set up, mm-hmm. and then there's an investigation of Post Town mm-hmm. School Friday night. Oh, okay. And then a lot of people are camping on the property. So now we bring out RVs, we got campsites, we got bonfires on the back property of the, of the school. And then Saturday morning at 7.30 a.m., everybody makes their way back to the school, get mm-hmm. the booth set up, the doors open at 9 a.m. Uh, we go until 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and then we close the doors. And then there's another paranormal investigation Saturday night. Those tickets always sell out long before the event gets there. Oh, so we take an hour break. We take uh-huh. an hour break from the movie. We go back into an all-night investigation until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Go to bed. Come right around and get back up at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, and my. do it again until about 3 or 4 in the afternoon until everybody decides to pack up and go home. It's a very, very busy weekend with a lot of working, um, a lot of working cons and a lot of working parts that we have that we put together to make it happen for everybody. That sounds really awesome. With all of, between all of these events and everything that you do, what's the one thing since 2005 that has stuck in your head on any investigation? Oh, gosh, you know, that's, that's a really, really difficult one. Um, when it comes to the investigation aspect, I'll answer that in two parts. When it comes to the investigation aspect, what I've learned is um, you can't be cocky in this field. Um, no matter how much you think you know, mm-hmm. you'll, you will walk away with more questions than answers and more questions than you ever had. Right. Um, when it comes to that, the other part of that specific part is, is if you look for it long enough, you're going to find it. Yeah, and you better be careful. <laughs> that That's the thing. And, and I don't want to go into all this talk about the paranormal about telling people, don't go out there reckless to people. Um, 
you know, I know a lot of people that go in, they don't do paranormal investigations unless they do protection spells over themselves. Mm-hmm. They have a, an entire process they do beforehand. Yes. They do a cleansing process afterwards before they even get in the car to go home at the end of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Whatever, however you feel best served in that role, um, just keep in mind that paranormal investigating does seem like it's a lot of fun. Uh, television has turned it into kind of a Disneyland type subject, yes. but there's a lot of very, very serious things that could happen if you're reckless out there. Yes, there is. Okay. So, um, you know, for me, the paranormal since 2005 is, is my, my motto is, is if you look for it long enough, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing that really sticks with me, Dee Dee, is the amount of good that I have seen the community do when everybody comes together. If somebody's sick, if somebody's passed, somebody's family has fallen on hard times, the community seems to always rally together to help out the little guy. And we do so much out there for our individual communities. Um, So much not-for-profit work being done. So many things that are being done, like clothing drives for homeless. Um, awesome. I'm right. I'm right now trying to figure out a way to start doing a food drive for for the two meet and greet events this year. So, if we're going to have them, you know, let's try to get a food drive going so we can take a truckload of food over to one of these churches and help some yes. of these people that are doing hard times. I agree. Um, one year we did clothing for veterans. I think we, we filled six trailers full of clothing for veterans. Oh, that's um, awesome, Jason. Yes. And, and that's, but to me, that's the easiest part, D.D. Doing something nice for the community is the easy part. It really is. Um, everybody out there wants to help somebody. Yes. And I think that one thing that a lot of people don't understand is it's not just what you see on television. There's an entire community of us out there. Oh, it's a probably 100,000 paranormal groups in the United States today. Everybody out there is working towards a good cause on the side of what they're doing. There's a lot of good things that are being done out there for historical structures. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it all the time here in Fort Wayne where, you know, there's some historical things that are being torn down and made way yeah. for new stuff for the building of the city. And for people like you and I and a lot of other people, I mean, that's just, that that hurts us. Yeah. You know, we, we don't like to see history erased. Well, we really don't. There's so much, It's people don't realize if you walk into some of these old buildings, you can feel the energy when you walk in, when you touch the woodwork. Oh, gosh. You can and feel it. I, it's just the so sad. The smell of an old building that smells and just reeks of history. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's something that you never forget. It's you know? heartbreaking so, when they do that. It is. It is. And sometimes, you know, you have to understand that our structure's too dilapidated. And now the local kids are getting into it and somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. It has to be done. Um, you can't save them all. You really can't. Um, but we do try to get behind and get involved with people like Arch here mm-hmm. locally. And... Um, see if there's ways that we can raise money for them and and stuff like that. I mean, and that's just it. It's, it's, when it's come to paranormal, paranormal's kind of become a mainstream thing now. Yeah. Um, in the early beginnings of dragging my friends through abandoned houses out in the middle of nowhere, 
Um, you know, the the city and 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 the the city and business professionals around Fort Wayne were never really so open minded about what we did. They were either afraid of it, intimidated right. by it, or they thought it was silly. Yeah. And today, this day and age, that's 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 come almost full circle. And now I think that a lot of the business owners, a lot of people are, they finally see the value in being involved in that locally. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fort Wayne, Indiana, we do, uh, we have a fright nights here. Yes. Um, we open, we, we basically shut down the downtown area. We open up a lot of historical structures throughout the downtown area and throughout mm-hmm. the city that uh, you can purchase tickets and tour. The historical homes, learn some of the background and the information and the history of Fort Wayne. Um, and then uh, there's all kinds of other things, like you can take your kids to Science Central for all these free events where the kids can make slime, this costume contest at the Grand Wayne Center downtown. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, of course, we have our zombie walk, and we freaking yes. love the zombie walk. It is hilarious, so, I have to admit. That's it, one of my favorite things fun. here in October. Yes, <laughs> it is. And my kids love it. And when they were, when we first started getting them involved in it, they had no idea what the heck it was all about. Mm-hmm. But they were just, we want to get our faces painted up and we want to dance with it with, you know, 6,000 zombies. <laughs> and it's just so great, you know. Um, and it started off as a, it started off as a very, very small thing. And I never would have thought that at one point in time it was going to grow to six to Eight, uh, even maybe even 10,000 people participate in that. Um, and it's just such a fun community thing, and it gets everybody out. Yes, um, it does. And we can literally celebrate Halloween and celebrate history community-wide. And I think that when communities start, when our communities here started to do that, we really, really, really started to see um, locally on a business and professional level, it actually opened up. And that's that's always a good thing because now we're starting to see people have an open mind about these things. Right. Um, you know, some of us have been trying to press for the city to open up and be this for many many years, and they wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have it, and now we're able to, as adults, we can go out and play and enjoy our favorite holiday because everybody loves Halloween. It's a very and, important uh, holiday to me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and now we can enjoy it with our youngest ones and not feel silly for doing it because our kids love it too. Yes, it's um, it's a wonderful holiday. Jason, I've noticed when I moved here, I've moved to Fort Wayne three years ago. Mm-hmm. One thing I've noticed is the activity here. There's a lot of activity here. And I'm wondering if it's because of the history of Fort Wayne, since you know the history better than I do, is it because of the the three rivers, the Indians, and the Revolutionary War. Does that have a lot to do with the act- heavy activity in this area? I think it's a combination of everything, to be honest with you, Dee um, I lived in Fort Wayne for two years before I literally started to get into the history of this town. And then once I started to get into the history, I went, oh, my God, this place is just chock full of stuff. Oh, yeah, it is. And yeah. I mean, being being you know based on the three rivers here in Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. um, you know the settle the settlers have started coming in here. I I, 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 I didn't brush up on the history, so I want to say 1700s. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a huge, huge, huge in, uh, Native American presence here. So we had a lot of the Indians here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we, when we talk about, um, uh, you know, some of our local tribes like the Kikian guys and the Miami Indians, and then we even, there's even a, an author here in town, Fritz Zimmerman, who actually goes back even further and will go into the ancient Native American tribes mm-hmm. and whether or not they were present in Fort Wayne. He, he truly believes that they were. Yeah. Um, and, and he, you know, we're talking about the same people who are the direct ancestors of the Nephilim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I listened to him give a speech on a mound. There's an Indian burial mound in Fort Wayne. And uh, he told an entire group of people, he says, if you find the exact center of this mound that we're standing on, and you, you dig down 25 feet straight down into a chamber, you're going to find a 10-foot-tall Indian sitting in the throne facing east. And that's just the way Native Americans did it. And all of these mounds are all sacred burial mounds that we yeah. can see from where we're standing. And I was just, I was awed. I was like, holy cow, is it really that deep? And it really is. Um, yeah. I, will... I think in between the fact that, you know, we're, we're, on, we're on granite, we know how granite carries, or not granite, I'm sorry, limestone, which yeah. carries a lot of energy. The water carries a lot of energy. There are um, ancient Native American burial grounds all over Fort Wayne. I mean, every time we build a road in a new area, we run across uh, Native American burial grounds and Indian remains. Yep. And uh, I think that some of it is even uh, ley lines. If people, if you get into ley lines and things of that nature, we do have ley lines that do go through the area for Wayne as well, um, in, in Indiana as a whole. And, um, you know, those are, uh, you know, energy lines that seem to interconnect and with other um, amazing structures that have a lot of other huge history behind it, like Stonehenge and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Um I just think that between the history and how conducive the land itself in Fort Wayne is, I think it, it's just a perfect storm um, and creates the best element for spiritual activity. Yeah. This is, there's been a lot of things that have been done here throughout the years. I mean, we've had our ups and our downs. Yeah. You know? I, I noticed when I, when I first visited here, um, as you know, I, I had come from the same back, similar background to you you know with seeing things and I remember me and my friends standing there and I had just arrived and we looked over and there was a woman standing in my living room just as solid as you and I would be we looked mm-hmm. and we looked and I'm like and my husband was standing right in front of us and he's like what what are you guys looking at? Because <laughs> he knows me. He goes, what's behind me? <laughs> and I go, there was a woman in a pink 1980s jacket standing wow. behind you. And we had a mm-hmm. loft apartment where you had to walk up the steps. No one came in. And I said, yeah. and I think she was in an accident. And it was really weird. And my friend right next to me was seeing the same thing. She's like, what's going on? <laughs> And I was like, "Yes." so this is this kind of place, you know, and it's very active here. I, I don't know how many times I've saged myself when I first moved here. <laughs> Just Well, and, here, and here's the thing. Fort Wayne, believe it or not, even though it doesn't make headlines every day, is a very, very small city. We have uh, roughly 265,000, 268,000 residents here in Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. which is a good-sized, medium-sized city. 
but we have got a lot of crime here. Yes, you do. We've had a lot of we've, we've got a lot of crime here. Um, we average anywhere from twenty five to forty five murders a year. Wow. So you think about some of the things that people's lives are lost unexpectedly in a lot of these homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that. But then at one point in time, we had an orphanage that was flooded, and a bunch of orphans were killed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's, when that was actually down by the Foster Park area, um, at, right off of um, uh, Bluffton Road, right there between Fort Wayne and Wayndale. Mm-hmm. And um, even right there in that same little corner right there, um, the Oakdale neighborhood, yeah. at one point in time, that area, there was a huge gas leak, and like six houses blew up <gasps> all at once killing a bunch of people here. That's terrible. Okay. <laughs> so, <Whoa. laughs> I mean, you think about the dark history that we've had here in Fort Wayne, I mean, but think about it, too. We also had a fort. We had a fort that was right there at the corner of uh, Barry and Clay, mm-hmm. um, just off of downtown there, um, where uh, um, General um, Anthony, Matt Anthony Wayne had, you know, had a fort there, and we fought the Indians, and there was a lot of battles that was done on these grounds. There was a lot of blood that was shed in our history right. in order to make Fort Wayne what it is today, unfortunately. Um, so, I mean, between the the amount of spiritualism that was already here from the Native Americans, mm. ley lines, water, uh, limestone, combined with just a lengthy history of things that have just taken place here, I think Fort Wayne is a beautiful mecca for paranormal activity. Oh, yes, I've noticed. Jason, have you seen, since you moved here, have you seen a lot of things here also? I will tell you that one of the most daunting paranormal investigations that I've ever been on, actually two of them, Mm -hmm. um, were were actually residential investigations here. And Mm -hmm. um, they were right here in Fort Wayne. And they they happened to see, what is it, it's been 2000. 2008, so over 12 years ago, mm-hmm. I still talk about those places. Um, I still talk about the families that were affected, and we and that would have to, unfortunately, that would have to be a whole other podcast show to get into those cases. I would love to have you back on to talk about those cases. Yeah, because when we tackled um, when we tackled a paranormal case that was going to be a residential case here in Fort Wayne, we didn't do it like people would see on TV. We'd show up at a place and investigate for three or four hours and then you'd be like, oh, it's haunted. Or no, it's not haunted. And you would, you know, go home at the end of the episode. Um, for us, it was getting into meeting the families and sometimes dealing with these families and what they were dealing with in their homes for a dozen investigations, sometimes taking two and three years for some of these cases. And um, they were just so intriguing. And um, a word that you hear me talking awful lot about is synchronicities. When you get around and you do enough work in a small town, a smaller community like Fort Wayne, there are synchronicities that even we uncovered in between cases in different locations in Fort Wayne that completely blew our minds. Um, And, you know, what what started off as sad beginnings turned out to be some things that, I mean, at one point in time, uh, we actually had the uh, the Allen County Sheriff's Department actually reopen the cold case division based on a case that we actually caught evidence on. Huh. Okay, so that's 
that's really, really, really exciting. And that's, that's a whole other contest in its own. I would wow. love to go through that with you at some point in the future. Yes, um, definitely. I'd love to have you back on. Cases. Just amazing cases. Wow. Um, and when you're in the midst of that over the course of a year or two years, there are things that happen to you. Like There are things people don't understand that when you involve yourself in some of these paranormal mm-hmm. cases, there are things in the peripheral that affect you. Even when you walk away from the location and you're yes. now at home, you know, you can bring things home with you. Things yes. will spiritually mess with you and challenge you as you are trying to help a family. Um, and so there's a whole other element that surrounds all of that behind it, too. You know, it's like you, you can't just hang up your coat and your boots at the end of the day right. and everything's done. Um, you know, because I, I lived in a brand new house. I built a brand new house in 2006. And um, I, by all rights, I shouldn't have had a haunted home. And um, <laughs> after doing a lot of paranormal investigating, I was completely 120% convinced that I had I had something had followed me home. Oh, and no, it yeah. wasn't just me who had witnessed things. It was people who were coming over who were complete skeptics that were asking, are we alone in this house? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, why? So I'm pretty sure I just heard a female call out my name. And uh-huh. I'm like, no. And, um, you know, again, for another podcast, but it was one of those things where it was very, very eye-opening for myself as a young investigator going, holy crap, this is more serious than what I ever thought it would be. Right. And, and I learned a lot from it. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn and you experience these things in a really, really, really eye-opening situations for people as long as you have an open mind. You have to be open-minded in this field. Yes, you do. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I really have enjoyed our time together. And I thank you for having me on. Um, I can't believe we're already at the top of the hour. I know. I, I feel like we've always scratched the surface of all of this stuff that, oh. that is the paranormal. I mean, yes. I can talk about it for hours on end. And please, next month, if you have time, I want you to email me so we can hear more about the cases locally that you just told us about. You just gave us a little taste of it. Oh, yeah. They're really, really good. um, I will absolutely do that for anybody who's listening. So keep an eye out for for another appearance. I will do that, and I promise you I will keep your listeners on the edge of their seats because there are some very, very good cases that are just filled with... um, all kinds of, like, I'm sitting here talking to you right now. I've got goosebumps on my arms. The hair is standing on end right now as I'm just talking about it. So, because it, it was that impactful. I'm going to expect an email from you this week saying when you're available next month, right? Okay, well, let's do it. All let's right, Jason. We'll, we'll plan on something. You'll hear from me here in the next week, and we'll put something in on the schedule for, uh, uh, for April, and we'll go from there, Dee Dee. I would love that. So people from Fort Wayne, Jason's going to be back on telling you about some of the wonderful paranormal experiences that he's had. Right, Jason? I look forward to it. I absolutely love to tell stories. I really, really do. Thank you so much, Jason, for your time. I know you're really busy being a business owner and getting all these wonderful events together. I'm looking forward to talking to you next month, and you have a great night. Thank you so much for being on The Twilight Tonic. 
Thank you very much, Didi. It's been uh, an amazing hour with you, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you. Have a good night, Jason. You too. <laughs> Bye-bye.